Hey there. I hope everyone will be fine. I hope everyone will be fine. Welcome to the new episode. Uh, things falling apart. Let's get started. I sat in my 9 a.m. biology class, arms cradling my head on my desk, and I started at the clock secondhand making laps. Each tick syncopated with the teachers droning on about chromosome 10 mitosis, like most 13 years old stuck in a stuffy fluorescent classroom. I was bored. A knock came on the door. Mr. Price, the school assistant principal, stuck his head in. Excuse me for interrupting. Mark, can you step outside with me for a moment? Oh, and bring your things with you. Strange, I thought. Kids get sent to the principal, but the principal really se- really gets sent to them. I gathered my things and stepped out. The hallway was empty. Hundreds of the page lockers converged on the horizon. Mark, can't you take me to your locker, please? Sure, I said and slid myself down the hall. Baggy jeans and moppy hair and oversized pantra t-shirts and all. We get to my lockers. Open it, please. Mr. Price says, so I do. He steps in front of me and gathers my coat, my gym bag, my backpack, all of the locker's contents, minus a few notebooks and a print pencils. He starts walking away. Come with me, please, he says without looking back. I started to get an uneasy feeling. I follow him to his office where he asks me to sit down. He closes the door and locks it. He goes over the window and adjusts the blinds to block the views from the outside. My palms begin to sweat. This is not a normal principal visit. Mr. Price sits down and quietly rummages through my things. Checking pockets, unzipping zippers, shaking out my gym clothes and placing them on the floor. Without looking up at me, Mr. Price asks, Do you know what I'm looking for, Mark? No, I say. Drugs. The words shock me to a nervous attention. Drugs, I stammer. What kind? He look at me sternly. I don't know. What kind do you have? He opens one of my binders and checks the small pocket meant for pen. My sweat blossoms like a fungal fungal growth. It spreads from my palms to my arms and now my neck. My temples pulsate as blood, flow, as blood floods my brains and face. Like most 13 years old, freshly accused of possessing narcotics and bringing them to the school. I want to run away and hide. I don't know what you are talking about. I protest, the words sounding far meeker than I would, li- than, than I would like. I feel as... If I should be sounding confident in myself right now, or maybe not, maybe I should be scared. Do liars sound more scared or confident? Because however they sound, I want to sound the opposite. Instead, my lack of the confidence compounds unconfidence about my sounding unconfident making me more unconfident. That fucking feedback loop from the hell. We'll see about that, he said turning his attention to my backpack which seemingly has 100 pockets, each is loaded with its own silly teen desiderator. Colored pens, old notes, passed in my class, early 90s. CDs with cracked cases, dried up parkers, an old sketch pad with a half its pages, missing dust and lint and crap accumulated. <coughs> 
during a maddeningly circuitous middle school existence. My sweat must be pumping at the speed of the light because time extends itself and dilates such that what is mere seconds on that 9 a.m. second period biology clock now feels like paleolithic eons and I am growing up and dying every minute. Just me and my surprise and my bottomless backpack. Somewhere around the Mesolithic age, Mr. Price finishes searching the back pack having found nothing he seems flustered he turns his pack upside down and lets all my crap crash in crash onto his office floor he is now sweating as profusely and i'm ex- and i'm except in place of my terror there is his anger no drugs today huh he tries to sound casual nope so do i He spreads my stuff out, separating each item and calculating them into a little piles beside my gym gear. My coat and backpack now lie empty and lifeless on his lap. On his lap, he sighs, he sighs and stares at the wall, like most thirteen-year-old locked in an office when a man angrily throwing their shit all over the floor. I want to cry. Mr. Price scans the content organized on the floor. Nothing like. Nothing illicit or illegal, no narcotics, not even anything against school policy. He sighs and then throws the coat and backpack on the floor too. He bends over and puts his elbow on his knees, making his face level with mine. Mark, I am going to give you one last chance to be honest with me. If you are honest, then we'll turn out much better for you. If you turn out you are lying, then it's going to be more. Then it's going to be much worse. As if on cue, I gulp. Now tell me the truth, Mr. Price demands. Did you bring drugs to the school today? Fighting back tears, screams clawing at my throat, I stare my tormentor in the face and in pleading voice, trying to be relieved of it. Adolescent horror, I say, no. I don't have any drugs. I have no idea what are you talking about. Okay, he says, signaling surrender. I guess you can collect your things and go. He takes one last longing gaze at my deflated backpack, lying like a broken promise there on his office floor. He casually put one foot down on the back. stomping lightly a last ditch effort i anxiously wait for him to get up and leave so i can get on with my life and forget this whole nightmare but his foot stops on something what is this he asks tapping with his foot what is what what is what i say there's still something in here He picks up the bag and starts feeling around the bottom of it for me the room gets fuzzy everything goes wobbly Woobly. When I was young, I was smart, I was friendly, but I was also shithead. I mean that in the most loving way possible. I was rebellious, lying little shithead, angry and full of resentment. When I was 12, I hacked my house security system with refrigerator magnets so I could sneak out undetected in the middle of the night.
My friend and I would put his mom's car in neutral and push it into the street so we can drive around without walking her up. I would write papers about abortion because I know my English teacher was hardcore conservative. Christian Another friend and I stole cigarettes from his mom and sold them to the kids out behind the school. Also, and I also cut a secret compartment in the bottom of my backpack to hide my marijuana. That was the same hidden compartment Mr. Price found after stepping on the drugs I was hiding. I had been lying and I and as promised Mr. Price didn't go easy on me and few hours later like most 13 year old handcuffed in the back of a police car I thought my life was over. And I was kind of right in a way my parents my parents quarantined me at the home. I was to have no friend for the foreseeable. Uh, I where was? I was to have no friends for the foreseeable future. Having been expelled from the school, I was to be homeschooled for the rest of the years. My mom made me get a haircut and threw all of my Marilyn Mansion and Metallica shirts, which. For an adolescence in 1998 was tantamount to being sen- sentenced to death by lame- lame- lameness. My dad dragged me to his office with him in the morning and made me file papers for hours on end. Once homeschooling was over, I was enrolled in a small private Christian school where, and this may not surprise you, I didn't exactly fit in. And just when I had finally cleaned up my act and turned in my assignments and learned the value of the good clerical responsibility, my parents decided to get divorced. I tell you all of this only to point out that adolescents stuck donkey balls. I lost all of my friends, my community, my legal rights and my family within the span of about nine months. My therapist in my twenties would later call this some real traumatic shit and I would spend the next decade and change working on un- unraveling it and become and becoming less of a self-absorbed entitled little prick. The problem with my home life back was life back then was not all the horrible things that were said or done. Rather, it was all of the horrible things that needed to be said and done but weren't. My family stonewalled that the way Warren Buffett makes money or Jenna Jim or Gina James Jameson Fox you are champions at it the house could have been burning down around us and it would have been mad with oh no everything fine I had once in her perhaps but really everything's fine When my parents get divorced, there were no broken dashes, no slammed doors, no screaming arguments about who fucked whom. Once they had reassured my brothers and me that it wasn't our fault, we had a question-answer session. Yes, you read that right. Yes, you read that right about the logistic of the new living arrangements. Not a tear was shed, not a voice was read. The closest peak my brother and I got into my parents' un 
reveling emotional lives worth hearing nobody cheated on nobody oh that's nice it was a third form in the room but really everything was fine my parents are good people i don't blame them for any of this not any more at least and i love them very much they have their own stories and their own journeys and their own problems just as all parents do and just as all of their parents do and so on and like all parents my parents with the best of the intention imparted some of their problems to me and i probably will to my kids when real traumatic shit like this happens in our life as begin to unconsciously feel as thought we have problems there we are incapable of ever solving and this assumed inability to solve our problems cause causes to us causes us to feel miserable and helpless but it also causes something else to be, to happen if we have problems that are unsolvable our unconscious figures that we are either uniquely special or uniquely defective in some way there we are somehow unlike everyone else and that the rules must be different for us put simply we become entitled the pain from my adolescence led me down a road of the entitlement that lasted through that lasted through much of my early adulthood whereas jimmy's entitlement played out in the business world where he pretend to be a huge success my entitlement played out in my relationship particularly with women my trauma my trauma has revolved around intimacy and acceptance so i felt a constant need to over compensate to prove to to prove to myself that i was loved and accepted at all the times and as a result i soon took to chasing women the same way a cocaine addicted takes to snowman made out of the cocaine i made sweet love to do to it and then promptly suffocated myself in it i became a player an immature selfish albeit sometimes charming player and i stung up a long series of the superficial and unhealthy relationship for the better part of of a decade i, I it it wasn't too much the sex i craved although the sex was fun i was the validation i was wanted i was loved for the first time since i could remember i was worthy my craving for validation quickly fed into the mental habit of self-aggrandizing and overindulgence i felt entitled i felt entitled to say or do whatever i wanted to break people's trust to ignore people's feeling and then justify in a, it later with a shitty half assessed with a shitty half assessed asked apologies while this period certainly had its moment of the fun and excitement i met some wonderful women my life was more or less wrecked the whole time i was often unemployed living on friends couches or with my mom or with my mom drinking way more than i should have ever and then i should have been alienating a number of the friends and when i did meet a woman i really like my self absorption quickly torpedo torpedoed everything the deeper the pain the more helpless we feel against our problems and the more entitlement we we adopt to compensate for those problems this entitlement plays out in one of the two ways i was awesome and the rest of you all sucks so i deserve special treatment and second i suck and the rest of you all are awesome so i deserve special treatment
थैंक यू फॉर लिसनिंग दैट्स इट